Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanya, that's Creole for something extra. If the pandemic taught us anything, it's that a lot of people love working remotely. Sure, many people might miss in-person meetings and look forward to hallway chats again, but others who've experienced the flexibility that remote work provides don't want to give it up. Major companies like Facebook, Twitter, and Spotify have embraced this, now allowing employees to work remotely, permanently. But as we enter the fall, other businesses are calling their employees back into the office. How many are willing to quit their jobs, maybe even move out of town or state, to find permanent remote work? Joining me remotely now, Bree Reynolds, Career Development Manager and Career Coach at FlexJobs, a search site for flexible and remote jobs. Welcome, Bree. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. And Matthew Mall, teacher at Peabody Prep, a single district virtual school system within the Peabody Public School System. Thanks for joining us, Matthew. Great to be with you today, Callie. All right. I'm going to start with you, Bree. First of all, your company just did a survey and I'd love for you to give us the highlights of that survey. Yeah, it's uh, some interesting findings in how people are reacting to the return to work um, as employers are calling some folks back to the office. We did a survey, it was about 4,600 people asking about their feelings of remote work and whether or not they wanted to return to the office. And we found that about 29% are actively looking for a new job because they want to work remotely. Uh, 17% have already quit a job because it didn't offer remote options. And then an additional 44% know at least one person who has quit or planning to quit. So people are either doing this themselves or oftentimes they know someone who is in that same boat of looking for something new because they don't want to return to the office. Now, what I've learned from your site and some of what you have written is that remote means different things. So for just let's have a little pause. And why don't you describe what remote can look like, the many configurations That's a really good point. Uh, So there are a few different ways to describe it. Remote work in general means working from home versus in the office, Um, but there are different levels of that. So partially remote work means that you're working from home some of the time and working in an office other parts of the time. It's sort of a hybrid arrangement. Hybrid seems to be the phrase that's being used more often to describe that. And then fully remote work is when you're completely from home and you don't set foot in the office. So it's actually really important to pay attention to what an employer even means by that because they all have a different definition. Got you. Matthew, over to you now. You were a high school science teacher working away, and then COVID hit. Tell us what happened where you used to work. Sure, absolutely. So, yep, so for over a decade, been doing high school and middle school science in the classroom, physically in the classroom with students. And then, as you say, COVID hit and everything changed, and we had to move remotely. And um, uh, obviously, in the beginning, it was very, very difficult, but I started to realize that I can reach students remotely and virtually and be successful at it and have them uh, successfully learn in ways that maybe are advantageous and things that we can't do in the classroom. Were you initially, for lack of a better expression, kind of bummed out by the remote thing? Did it just, you know, emotionally throw you off? 
Absolutely. Definitely. It was, it was emotionally draining, very, very difficult to figure out how to make it work. Um, and again, that was really March, 2020 time. But since that point, we've had a lot of time to give a lot of thought to how to make this work, how to make this work well, how to make this work well for students. And, um, and we've come a long way since then. Well, the, the fact of the lockdown and the remote and all the changes happening in the workplace prompted you to really look for remote work permanently. So tell us about how you came to a decision and made a move. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, again, being classroom teacher during COVID time is very, very stressful. There's a lot of uh, managing of, of uh, social distancing and mask requirements and whatnot. And there's just a lot of distractions that were going on in the classroom. And something that I learned was that teaching remotely, a lot of those distractions went away and I could really focus on the kids and the, and the students and the learning. And so when the state offered districts the ability to apply for a license to open up remote schools, PBD Public Schools uh, was one of the districts that chose to do that. And they had positions available for high school science teacher. And I applied for that. And uh, it seems like it's just a really, really good fit. Now, had this not happened, would you have ever considered, you know, being in the situation you're in now where you are in a situation where you are fully remote teaching? Not in a million years. As a matter of fact, I, I can think back to, you know, February of 2020 when this, you know, idea of potentially having a shutdown was going to happen. And I think every teacher was saying this is impossible. It just it just could not translate to online. Uh, and again, I think we've come a long way and we see that actually it can. And for some students and some teachers, it's uh, it's actually uh, works out very, very well. And here's the question that I think a lot of people will be listening for. If in your former situation, they just said, you know, there's no way, there's no possibility that you can do what you've come now to enjoy, which is a uh, fully remote teaching. Was there any way that you would have stayed? I guess that's what I'm saying is, is there any way that you would have tried to make that work? I, I don't think so. COVID is still present with us, right? And so it's taking up such a amount of bandwidth for, for teaching and learning. Um, and that's still going on this year as well. And I, I think I probably would have looked for other opportunities, um, potentially even outside of education. Okay. So, Bree, I just want to emphasize, we know this, but I like to say it. Everybody can't work remotely. There are some jobs that will have to be done on site. So we need to put that on the table. So we are talking about, you know, a certain group of people who have at least that opportunity to do their work someplace else. But at the same time, I want to pick up again on what you found in your studies and what Matthew just said. Given the situation, uh, he was going to find a place that would allow him to work remotely after what happened to him in the before times. And that is what we are seeing more and more again, as your survey emphasized. Absolutely. Matthew's story is so similar to the ones that we hear on the career coaching program at Flex Jobs, where we're actually talking to job seekers in that exact situation. They are um, not finding that opportunity at their current employer, and so they're looking for other opportunities. And one of the silver linings of the ongoing pandemic, I suppose, is that the opportunity to work remotely has greatly increased. Before the pandemic, about 5% of the U.S. workforce worked from home full-time. And that was pretty steady over the last five to 10 years. It did not increase very much. And in the middle of the pandemic, at the beginning of this year, that was up to about almost 60% still working from home on a regular basis. And after the pandemic, the predictions show that about 25% of the U.S. workforce is going to continue working from home, even when it's fully safe to go back to an office. So to go from 5% before to potentially 25% when this is done means that there are a lot more opportunities out there to work remotely. 
So there are many reasons why people opt to go remote or would like to go remote. Here's LaSalle Network Vice President Jessica Schaefer on why workers are resigning as companies call them back into the office. You have people who have been cooped up for 16 months in jobs that they don't enjoy, but they were too nervous, too hesitant, understandably, to leave that position. And then you have the other side of the coin where people got used to that flexibility and being able to do whatever, whenever, work from wherever. And so companies are saying, hey, get your butts back in the office. And employees are saying, no, 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 there's other companies who are offering me that flexibility that I used to have that I really enjoyed. So again, Bree, what the studies have shown is that the people who are working remotely, for the most part, and this includes a variety of jobs across the spectrum, are actually quite productive at home. So we need to make that clear. So it's not like employers are saying, I see you, you're not doing anything, get back in here. These people are actually working. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so Shockingly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that was one of those myths that was pretty quickly busted when everyone started to work remotely in large groups anyway. At the beginning of the pandemic, employers saw that this fear that they had that people wouldn't be productive, that they would be uh, you know, focused on other things simply wasn't the case. People were very productive working from home. And it should be said that was in the middle of a pandemic. So the, the people can focus that well amid all of the extra stress that comes with having to deal with that pretty good thing for workers to be able to work that way. And so what we're seeing now is when companies are calling folks back into the office, those those people, a lot of them at least, are saying, nope, I really enjoyed working this way. I did my job well. And it had so many benefits for my personal life, in addition to just making me a productive worker, that I'd like to continue to do it. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I'm speaking with Bree Reynolds of Flex Jobs and Matt Mall of Peabody Prep about working remotely even after the pandemic. No pun intended on your company name, but it is critically <laughs> important now that companies in every sector be more flexible as a matter of course. Right, Bree? Yes, I think so. And we're really seeing it. I mean, for, for the types of remote jobs that are fairly common and popular being offered a lot, I mean, we see everything from software development to marketing, project management, education and training, as Matthew has seen, um, nonprofits, accounting and finance, and a lot of actually healthcare now that so much of healthcare has moved to telehealth and online medicine. So it's really interesting to see it kind of across the board growing and not just in certain industries. And just one other thing, isn't it cheaper or at least more cost effective to keep employees who have been productive, we've established that, than push them out the door because they don't want to come back into an office setting? Look at Matt. He's gone from the system he was in before. Yeah, it really can be. So there are definitely cost savings for the employer and the employee. You know, you're not in an office anymore. So you can actually, as an employer, reduce office space, reduce the overhead that goes along with that. And even if you're providing office equipment and stipends for your at-home workers, that's oftentimes a cheaper way to support your workforce than having a full-fledged office. And then, of course, from the employee's perspective, you know, you're not paying commuting costs. Your your work wardrobe has probably changed a little bit um, to something more comfortable and easily washed instead of the dry cleaner. And a lot of people are also reporting that they're just not eating out quite as much, you know, for their lunches and their coffees, they're doing more stuff at home. And that can be add up over the year to a pretty significant cost savings. Well, Matt, you know, when I think of cost effective, I also think of it in this way. You were a trained professional, as they say, in your field. So what is the cost of losing you to a system because there is an accommodation they will not make for you to do what you feel is your best work. 
Yeah, well, I think there's a, a cost uh, to, frankly, to the students as well, right? So if, uh, if I'm teaching in a district that's allowing uh, this type of virtual learning and has gone forward with that, there's a cost to a district that didn't allow that, right? So for students that can't participate in that. And so I think that that's, you know, that's something that we need to highlight as well, too, um, for, for districts that, uh, that haven't chose to go this route. So now you talk to your fellow teachers. Are many of them, have many of them followed in your footsteps, so to speak? Um, yeah, so there's growing interest in teaching virtually. And I think that in a lot of ways, we're kind of the pioneers, those, those teachers, those districts that are doing this right now. Uh, and I think a lot of teachers are waiting in the wings to kind of see how does it go? How does it work? How do, how do the teachers like it? And I would, uh, I would certainly not be surprised to see demand for uh, virtual teaching increase as, the, as time goes on. So I don't want to make light of how big a decision it would be for you to change your work environment and your work. I mean, you're still doing the same kind of work, but it was a big switch. So I wonder if there was one moment uh, that prompted you to make the decision or did it just sort of come on slowly as things started to add up? I would say it's a little bit of both. I mean, I, I definitely remember post winter break last year during the height of the COVID surge, you know, Monday going in to work, physically in a building, classroom full of kids, no window in the classroom and thinking, geez, I, I would prefer to do this at home. Uh, and I think it can effectively do it at home. And I think it, uh, that was a, probably a defining moment for me. So do you think that, that uh, workers have more power in this moment, Matt? Um, I do. I, I absolutely do. I think that, um, as Bree was saying, we're demonstrating that we can do this effectively from home. We can be productive. And as we were talking about earlier, there's a, there's a cost, cost savings for businesses, et cetera. So I, I, I think that there is uh, power that is being shared and, and held here. What about you, Bree? Uh, workers have more power, and, and I mean for longer than this moment. I think so. I mean, the stats showing what remote work might look like in the next five to 10 years really do show this big increase and employers are continuing to announce that they're either extending their temporary remote work. So they're not bringing people back into the office because now we have the Delta variant, but they keep extending it further and further. And I think the further we get into that, the more permanent a lot of employers are going to be making this, at least in a hybrid capacity. That's what seems to be the trend right now. Um, but we are also seeing some companies announce that if their employees don't want to come back to the office ever, then they don't have to. Hearing that, even if it's not at your own company, really does empower you as an individual, a professional, to seek out other options if you really feel strongly about it. Um, and even though job searching is still very stressful and not people's favorite thing, I think they are feeling a little bit more empowered and bolstered to make a big change because they also have evidence, you know, their personal experience that this is a really beneficial thing for them. So here's Portia Twitt speaking about why she quit her program manager job due to in-person work expectations. I felt like there was just a boomer power play. Um, meetings were starting to get scheduled and called so that we were forced into the office. Everyone keeps saying the phrase return to work. I don't understand that. We never stopped working during the pandemic. We just worked remotely. It's a generational mindset shift. Our generation, I'm a millennial, we believe that we can combine work and life and have beautiful balance using the amazing technology that we have today. 
Well, that certainly sounds like somebody who feels like she has worker power. So, Bree, what about these companies? You you mentioned the ones who've said you can stay home permanently if, if that's what you want to do. But there are many employers who are digging in about returning to work and, and also returning to a work culture as it was before. What do you say to them and how do you regard that? Yeah, I, I love the energy <laughs> that caller had because I think that does really demonstrate that empowerment that people are feeling. And I think there is something to be said about the generational differences that that some of the companies that are really digging in their heels and wanting people to come back to the office may have at least an older managerial style, if not the actual generational differences. They may be relying on those kind of 20th century managerial practices still, and, and over the last 18 months really haven't developed a new way, a permanent way at least in their own minds of managing. And that's one of the things that we really try to help companies with is just understanding that they're managing remote workforces is different, but it's not more difficult and it actually makes a lot more sense. And it allows you to use the, as the caller said, the technology that's available to really great ends that can benefit the, the companies as well. So I think as we, it, it's tricky to tell because the pandemic is continuing to drag on, but as we hopefully come to some sort of end of this um, in the next six to nine months, and employers really see that folks are serious about finding a new job if they're not allowed to work remotely, I hope, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that some of those employers who've dug their heels in and said, come back to the office, may have a bit of a change of heart, especially as we hear more and more employers jumping on the remote work wagon and just saying, yep, you can do this, and we are okay with it. So the big quit, Matthew, you've probably heard about the big quit, where people are Unlike you, you were able to have that moment of, I'm going to do this and I'm going to find another place for myself. So you're fortunate in that way. There are some people that said, I don't see where I can go right now to be where I think I need to be. And so I'm just going to quit and I'm going to look around. Is that happening among your teacher core? Yes. Um, I would say nationally, uh, statewide, local, absolutely. There was tremendous attrition over the past uh, past year, past two years, really, in the, in the teaching fields. And even this year, you're hearing teachers saying, even in the first couple of weeks here of school, boy, this feels like we've had 100 school days and we're, you know, three weeks in at this point. So there's, there's significant uh, burnout, I think, in the industry uh, right now. And uh, I think it's something that's going to need to be addressed. So do you think that that's enough or are you seeing any signs from school systems or other powers that be that, OK, we got to make some adjustments here because we're about to lose some some intellectual resources we can't afford to lose? Yeah. So um, it's it's tough to say. Right. Um, a lot of this is coming from the state level. There's there's certainly a push to kind of go back to, quote unquote, normal in the educational community at the state level, back to school, in-person learning, et cetera. And so I, I think it's something that, that really the state is going to have to reckon with, because I think that more and more people will choose other career alternatives uh, and maybe not even go into the profession to, to start. Uh, and that's going to put a real strain on the on the public educational system. Bree, I'm curious. Your job is career coach, career development manager. How many people are you dealing with now who just quit? They didn't have another job. Uh, well, just totally quitting is a little bit of the minority. I would say it's probably out of everyone that we see, um, maybe 10, 15% have already quit. I think people are still a little bit too nervous to do that, understandably. But what we are seeing is that the majority, probably 55 to 60% of the clients we see are career changers. So they have decided that even if they haven't quit yet, that they don't want to continue in the current career path that they were on. Some of that has to do with that path not being flexible and not offering remote opportunities 
opportunities. And so they're moving to something different entirely. And then some of that was the pandemic has given a lot of people a lot of time to think about, you know, their lives thus far and, and decide if they want to go back to the way things were, if they want to make some big changes. So, you know, to see 55, 60% of our clients are career changers and looking to make a big leap, I think really says something. Um, and they're, they're working up the muscle to, to do the big quit. <laughs> so are you, and, and by the way, just as this is a follow-up, have you seen that increase slowly? So let's say at the beginning of the pandemic, I don't know where you might've been with those numbers, but how have you seen that that those numbers rise as, as time has passed. It definitely was a big change um, before and, and even during the first part of the pandemic, most of the folks we were seeing were in either unemployed or were assuming that they were about to be unemployed. Um, and because there were you know furloughs and layoffs and all of that sort of stuff, that became the largest group that we were working with. And really only in the last nine months to maybe 12 months of the pandemic, have we started to see this increase in career changers to becoming the majority of the clients that we're working with. But really, especially this year, I think some of what was motivating it or is still motivating it is the idea that we do see maybe an end, and I keep saying maybe, to the pandemic and going back to normal life. And they've decided, okay, I don't want to go back to my normal life. So we definitely saw a difference in the early part of the pandemic compared to who we're working with now, um, that career change really just in the last six to 12 months has become a much bigger topic. So what do you predict is the future of work? What does it look like? I think hybrid will ultimately be the way most employers choose to do this. So having people in the office, sometimes working from home other times, but what that looks like at each office is very different. I think there will be some pressure as we see more people moving from job to job that companies feel that they might need to do a little bit more, you know, offer a little bit more work. Maybe they started out as a hybrid situation where you worked from home one day a week and now they're going to offer two or three days a week because they see other companies in their industry, their competition, being able to attract really great candidates because they're offering more remote work. So I think we'll it, hybrid will probably still be the majority of remote work, but the option to have more work from home opportunities. I think that will only grow over the coming years. Employers who are offering permanently remote work, I'm really actually excited to see the results that they're going to be putting out there and how this works for them, because that's what we saw when remote work was slowly building, was that employers would start to say, hey, this is working well for us, and this is how we're doing it, and these are our results. So I'm really interested to see some of the studies that come out about that as well. And from your particular perch, Matthew, what do you say is the future of work? What do you predict? Yeah, nope. I, I think uh, certainly in education, I think you're going to see more and more remote learning taking place and more more districts wanting to do it and more families wanting to choose it. I think the vast majority of students obviously are going to continue to ride the school bus to school every day and enter a physical building. But I think the pandemic has identified that there's a segment of, of families and students for which uh, not doing that and, and being able to be educated from home works. And I think there are going to be uh, positions available for teachers if they would like to, uh, to, uh, to hop into that style of teaching. And emotionally, where are you? Are you happily content, just feeling a revitalization? Because it's kind of a new chapter. You're doing the same job, but, but not really. I'm, I would say it's a revitalization because I'm able to, again, focus on the kids, get to know the kids, really develop relationships with them and not have that kind of cloud and anxiety of, of COVID kind of permeating the environment that um, that was occurring in the in the physical school buildings. And you, you don't worry that when COVID is over, we think it's coming, that you might feel differently or 
No, I mean, I don't worry that I'll feel differently. The The worry that I have is that the potentially the state may feel differently, right? Mm, and so this mm. is a, the, these remote options for teachers are on a two-year pilot program per the, per the State Department of Education. And they have the ability to not let this continue if, um, if they so choose. So, so really it just depends on, on whether the state will continue to allow this as, to, as an option for districts. All right. Well, I thank both of you for joining me. It's really fascinating time. And no doubt I'll probably be talking to you in the future <laughs> as, as things keep changing. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Callie. Bree Reynolds is a career development manager and career coach at FlexJobs, a search site for flexible and remote jobs. Matthew Mall is a teacher at Peabody Prep, a single district virtual school system within the Peabody Public School System. That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. We're on the web at gbh.org news under the radar with Callie Crossley and available for download wherever you get your podcasts. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Hannah Ubeli and engineered by Dave Goodman. Sarah Kaplan is our intern. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace Kelly and Leo P. See you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening.